We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers, since we last recorded, had a really nice win against the Denver Nuggets, 93-89. The defense came back. Anthony Davis looked like a sort of like him, like himself. He even said at the end, we're back. Really good night to get back on track. Got a couple more big games coming up this week uh, as we as we talked about in the last pod, but we did get some bad news within the context of that since then. Um, Mike LeBron is going to be missing the next two games at the very least. It looks like he's got a, had a setback with his ankle. What- yeah. So we, when we talked to LeBron after the second game that he played and when he left and didn't come back with the final six minutes, it was the team made it very clear that he didn't re aggravate the ankle, but that it just remains sore. Like it remained, he's in, in woe shed in his story that he's having trouble making hard cuts and exploding. And I thought that we did see some explosion in the first halves of both games, but you know, obviously he, he said that it got more sore as things went in the second half. So this is a bit of Pete, like give it some, take it away some. And you, you already mentioned it, the AD thing, that is huge to me. That is huge news. We've been kind of hinting at that. Okay, wait, are we going to see AD be able to take his game up to another level? And and guess what? We already did. So that's that's huge. The Lakers needed that element if they were going to have a chance to win the title. And since we hadn't seen it, I think it was fair to to kind of, you know, there was, a, there was a part of us that expected it, but it was good to see that come out against Denver. And that's, I think, something he can still build on because he, he's still not at 100%. But... That only works in terms of the whole team effect if LeBron can also be LeBron. And so these are the then then you worry about the whole building chemistry, building cohesion, 
which units are going to play together, all that stuff. But the 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 most the two most important things are this this AD and LeBron dynamic. So Darius, what I'm curious is about is all right, what where do we go from here with LeBron, and how confident are we um, that he's going to be able to get close enough to himself uh, to make a real run? And even if we just want to focus on the first round, like get to where he needs to get for the Lakers to beat a good opponent uh, in the first round and how what you saw against the Denver game might play into that as well. In addition to not just AD, but you know, Mark and Wes and the way they play defense, all that kind of stuff together. So uh, where do you want to go with that? Yeah, Mike. I mean, LeBron said it himself, right? If he's not back to being himself, then the Lakers chances are severely impacted negatively. Right. And at this point, I think yeah, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you guys are like what level of concern that you guys have. I would imagine you're both concerned as well. But if on a scale of one to ten, my concern right now is probably in the seven to eight range. Like, it's not low. He had a high ankle sprain. Like Brian Winhurst has has been sort of hammering this or beating this drum pretty loudly from the instant that LeBron's diagnosis was that he had a high ankle sprain that he, it's a different sport, obviously, but he's, but football players get this injury a lot, right? More so than basketball players, just because of the nature of the game and bodies piling up on you a lot, right? Guys getting rolled up on that way. And there are players Windhorst has has said said this, so I'm sort of parroting him here. But Windhorst has said that some guys have said, like, look, it was eight to twelve weeks before I even started to feel somewhat normal again, and it wasn't even until the off season, like the next season, where I felt back to being 100 percent right. And LeBron came back a shade under seven weeks. I th- I think it was six weeks and six days. Right. And he was not moving well in the second half of of the Raptors game. You could tell he was really favoring his leg. And it makes sense to me that he would that Woj's report would say that he's having trouble sort of cutting and and exploding because I think it was showing up a great deal on defense more so than it even was on on offense. Darius, just quick point on that to kick back to you. We remember discussing that 22 to six Raptors run at the end of the first half. And even so, I wondered if even on that shift, which was after LeBron had gone back a couple of minutes earlier, if I rewatched it and and I, Pete, I didn't rewatch that shift. Um, I, I, well, I should say that I watched like uh, about a minute of it. You probably watched the whole thing. So I wonder how much that would, would color the way we look at it. LeBron on defense, right? LeBron not initiating the same on offense. and, And maybe that was where that started. I didn't even need the rewatch, like watching it live. I thought he is a not, not active, not as active defensively in general. Right. So you could tell he was sort of saving his body in ways where he thought if I'm positioned here, maybe it will deter this. I don't necessarily have to like move then if I stand here. Right. So there was much more standing and when he was moving, it was choppier steps. It was it it was not the like 
we talked about this a few pods ago, Pete, but, but you called it sort mm-hmm. of the stampede close out that, that LeBron has. That is a, that is an, not only an effort play, but it's just the way that he moves. He, he, he moves with such force. Right. And, and you could, it's, it's, pretty obvious with a guy like LeBron when he's moving more gingerly because he is not the sort of fluid, like, oh, graceful. Like, he can be that, right? But that is all that is all backed up by power and force. And so when he is not moving that way, it's it's clear. It's obvious. And I, I chalk that up directly to the ankle. Right. And so I don't know if like, look, LeBron, similar to Kobe and, and, and every other sort, sort of super high level athlete that that really cherishes their body and, and understands what it means to take care of their body. He's going to be maniacal with this treatment. He talked about this in the aftermath of coming back. Right. And just sort of describing like I spent more time treating my ankle than I spent sleeping basically. Right. And and so he, that that's going to continue, but will three more days make a difference? Will seven more days make a difference? What about 10? What about 14? Right. And that's where I don't have answers to that. I'm not a doctor. I think even a doctor wouldn't have answers to that. The guy who has the answers won't even be LeBron. It'll just be how he feels day to day. But I don't want to say I'm 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 skeptical, but I'm concerned. And I think that that's going to dovetail into a bunch of different conversations here. But but Pete, what are the implications of like, look, LeBron's not going to sit out the playoffs. I would imagine if he's 75 percent, if he's 80 percent, I think he will try to manage this. But what are the implications of what things look like then? in the wake of LeBron not being his best and the Lakers sort of trying to reconfigure themselves in in a way that resembles the best version they can be with a more limited LeBron. Yeah, it depends on what he can do, right? If he's having issues with with cutting and with lateral movements, that that's a big impact on what we can do defensively, um, right? We're we saw little flickers with AD looking like himself against Denver that I think this can be a really dominant defensive team. And I think that that, that is our path going forward, right? I It's difficult for me to speculate because I don't know how capable LeBron will be. But I will say that if we zoom out and look at the rest of the league, there's no other team where I'm like, man, LeBron not quite himself that's the difference between us beating this team and not beating this team. Every other high-level team in the league this year has legitimate issues, right? Legitimate weaknesses. Uh, and I would have said that the Lakers are less in that category earlier in the year, right? But with all of the injuries that we've had, we like we're impacted by that too but there's no team that i think has surpasses the lakers so it becomes a matter of it's a different puzzle for lebron to figure it out now one of the things that right like one of the things mike that became really obvious to me when lebron went out was like you know this you know this beforehand but seeing it he absorbs so much of our decision making and he can still do that and so much of his dominance even still is he's not 
I'm going to, he used, Mike, he used to be able to beat a guy off the dribble. He'd plant one foot just inside the free throw line and he'd freaking dunk on you. He hasn't done that as a Laker really. Right. But he's still dominant in ways where of course, how he moves is going to matter. It's like him being reduced in that way will reduce. He won't be able to uh, make his, this is one thing I noticed with his turnovers. He, uh, he likes to make jump passes. He's the best jump passer of all time where he'll dribble down the lane, attack the basket, put a foot in the ground, jump in the air, and then spray the ball all over the court. He wasn't doing that, that as well. But So it will impact him, but he still has his mind. He still has his strength, right? Maybe not as strong because he doesn't have as strong of a foundation. But, Mike, there is still a path to him being a great player while being limited in a league where a great, but maybe not 2018 LeBron James or 2020 LeBron James, I still think we can win the title. Man, it's just a, such a, this is such an interesting topic because there are, he has so many gifts that we could spend. All right. Well, if he's not driving, how could the Lakers still win? It's like, Oh, well you could put him in the post. You know, there's there so many different branches off of his tree mm-hmm. that but the so the first thing you have to do is you have to know what his limitations are. And if we're just judging off what we saw in the first two games, the thing that he's not doing as much is driving, right? Just just straight breaking his man down, getting in the paint, and that still last year was the the best weapon I felt like the Lakers had offensively is that when it was needed Think about the the Clipper game, the Bucks game in March when he just scored. It didn't matter if it was Giannis or Kawhi. He went and scored at the rim. Uh, they almost didn't need it as much in the postseason, it seemed like, because the way that the defense was so dominant. But still, like uh, against Denver, you know, LeBron could still get into the middle of the paint, break it down, and just go that way. And that, to me, is still his – like the reason why he's gotten to where he is is that nobody in the league has had an answer for that since he entered the league. But if he's not able – to do that to that same extent, then we know that he's going to be smart enough to figure out where he is going to be effective. And that I think is Darius is goes back to Pete's point that he just made. And that's uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. I'm I, we're, this is going to be a fluid conversation. Like we're, we don't know when he's going to return. We don't know what he's going to look like when he returns. And we'll, we'll obviously be able to analyze it afterwards. But I think the fact that we have to have the conversation though, does shift my whole big picture thing that I've been saying all year about how I think the Lakers are the title favorites, right? And I think that this does any anything to do with LeBron, LeBron's health is that's the first thing that's going to chip into my whole um, big picture look at what the season's going to turn into. And I'm not saying they still can't win, which which they could. And and I I'm curious to hear the way that you respond to this right here. But that is the first that is the thing that has me, uh, you know anxiously anticipating what we're going to see and how he's going to be able to look like with the ankle. So here's my optimistic take about LeBron and the Lakers in general off, off of however limited he is or, or isn't there's no player. I trust more to, and we talked about this some in the lead up to this season, actually. And I think that this conversation is relevant now that He's going to make calculated decisions every single possession based off of what he can or cannot do. And he knows he may have in his mind, he may think that he has, you know what? I have three explosive plays in me a game now, whereas before maybe when he was young, that number was unlimited. 
right? Yeah, he, Kobe used to talk about this. Kobe had a dunk on Emeka Okafor in the 2012 playoffs, I think it yeah. was, where he was like, this is one of the, I only got so many of these in me. Yes. And we were down by like nine or something. It changed the game. We ended up winning that game as a result. But exactly, Kobe knew, he was like, I only got a couple of these and I needed to use one of them then. Well, speaking of Kobe, the season he tore his his Achilles, I felt like he said to himself in his mind, like, this is my last great chance, right? I've got Steve Nash. I've got Dwight Howard. I've got Pal Gasol. We're scuffling, right? This is my last great chance. And I think that he said he threw that mentality out, out the window, right? And he's dunking on... He's dunking on two Brooklyn Nets, right? And mm-hmm. he's dunking over Josh Smith, right? Dr- mm-hmm. And, and, and yep. game after game after game, he was sort of like Just throwing, emptying the throwing caution yep. To, yep. Well, to the win. I'll play 46 minutes. I'll play 47 and a half minutes. I'll play 50 minutes, right? Like there was, there was literally no limit to what he was willing to do. I think... As much as I've been watching LeBron, he is not going to empty the clip in that way. Anthony Davis is 28 years old, right? Like, yeah, man, he doesn't and, need and to. And he right. does not mm-hmm. need to within the context of the trajectory of, of what he still has left in the tank as an overall player and the projections of this, this team. And so there's no player I trust more to make possession-to-possession decisions than LeBron James. We saw this in the Toronto game. There was a play where the Lakers were sort of on their heels a little bit or things weren't going the right way. LeBron sort of said, it's time to get to the rim, this this possession. I am going to put my head down. I'm going to get to the basket and I'm going to get off a shot. I think every single game, he's going to have to make those possession-to-possession decisions. And I think he's smart enough to, to manage that well. I do think he has enough tools in his toolbox, right, in order to be effective game after game after game. The trickier thing for me is, does LeBron become someone the Lakers have to hide or scheme for defensively, right? Because you can, you can manage your effort level and everything offensively, based off of the stuff that you talk, talked about, Pete, with just how smart you are and, and how can I move the chess pieces around the board in order to open up this guy? L- what action can can I call? Where can I call over the screen and roll? What angle do I take? What's their scheme? How are they playing, playing this? Adjust, 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 counter, 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 counter. And that's what a great player does, a thinking player does. And I trust LeBron to do all of that stuff. Where it gets trickier to me is defensively. You cannot hide defensively. And LeBron will try. I was talking about what he was doing against Toronto. But sooner or later, the action will find you defensively because that's what offenses do, especially playoff offenses. And and so that's where I would shift back to my more less optimistic view of how the Lakers may need to manage things around LeBron. No, it's it's just funny because maybe maybe Pete, you can break the tie here because I think I'm actually probably the opposite. I'm just I think that defensively with his size and with his smarts and as long as he's engaged, even if he's not able to cut quite as much and, and who knows, maybe he will be like maybe he will 
he will figure this ankle thing out um, a bit better. But I worry more about, and this is from the team concept that the Lakers have. Like they have the mentality, I think, that we saw against Denver and that enough of the guys on the team, uh, well, that's a whole separate point, Pete, about, uh, about you know, playing sort of the adults that, right? Uh, that's, uh, I'll let you use your own phrase I, if you I want to. The, the responsible adults lineup, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole nother discussion. But they, I just, I, the DNA of the team I, and, and LeBron smarts, I think that, I think that are going to be enough on that end. I worry about they already get stagnant <clears throat> at certain times offensively. And there are a lot of those possessions that are kind of LeBron pulling the ball out, analyzing. And the way the antidote to those type of possessions is when he's like, okay, five se- seconds on the shot clock. Fine. You know, I'm now I'm going to drive and you can always get something that way. And, and if he, if he doesn't have as many of those drives, as Darius said, if it's two or three or five, even instead of 20, and then they have to have a whole different theory of the way that they're playing on offense so that they don't get stuck into those situations in the first place. And guess what? Dennis Schroeder, we don't know for sure when he's going to come back and he's get one of the main antidotes to that in, in theory. And if not, then who is it on the perimeter with him? Is it Caruso? Well, that's not ideal. Uh, is it THT? Also not ideal. Um, does it have to be Anthony Davis then in different ways? And teams are just going to hard double AD Right. And have, so that's that's the side that I'm a little bit more worried about, Pete. So I'm curious for your perspective. Yeah, I'm not as much worried about the defensive end in that it's bittersweet if if LeBron can't move. And, and this is all speculative, right? Like maybe he's kind of close if he's kind of close to the guy that he would have been able to had he got not gotten his ankle rolled up on. Uh, if he's able to get anywhere close to that, I, I still think we're going to be really good on that end. We, were, we saw how we were able to play on that end without him. But I think conceptually so much of what we could have been is because LeBron can cover so much distance, right? Like LeBron was taught or uh, LeBron. Like Darius was just talking about hiding LeBron. And I was like cringing as he's talking at the idea. And I know you were too, right? Because you don't hide LeBron. In fact, LeBron is one of those guys that you build it around. That's my point though. And this is why I'd be so Pete, you just talked about in the in earlier in the pod the idea of it if there's a path towards the Lakers being super competitive, it's defensively. Right? And so Like, look, man, LeBron, LeBron is not going to sell out defensively while holding things back in reserve offensively. Like, I, like, I don't see that being the right. equation. No, ab- absolutely. And, and so we are, all in all, we are overall a better defensive team than we are an offensive team. And so that speaks to Mike's point, right, in that one of the things that we can rely on, and we don't, we run a few basic sets, but we... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are very much built around the idea sure. that we have two superstars. Superstars attract an additional defender. So if one of those superstars is limited in what he can do, that that is a, a, a red flag on what we can do on the offensive end. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we saw some developments in that Denver game that I think really speak to some of the alternatives, uh, some of the things directions that we can go in in with, with LeBron possibly limited. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So I don't know if this was because LeBron and Schroeder didn't play and we were so without ball handling and uh, guys who couldn't initiate offense that this was just something that we had to do. But even if we just stumbled on it, we started doing something in that uh, Denver game or started doing it more that I loved, that I thought really activated AD in particular, but also can fit into this whole paradigm of maybe LeBron isn't able to drive to the basket as much. Maybe he isn't as, you know, capable of cutting and all of the the things that he needs to do to break down a defense and put pressure on the rim. And that was use Anthony Davis as a ball handler. He ran a lot of ball screens with Andre Drummond. We're gonna we're gonna have a whole pod at some point of maximizing the spacing, right? I think that the that combination is ahead on the defensive end relative to to the offensive end. But it was the first time since AD looked like himself. I think part of the reason why we were able to hold them down to, to 89 points was because of that combination defensively. But on the offensive end, since Drummond's not a shooter, you've got to find ways to get get enough spacing so it's not just jump shots, right? Where he's not just in the dunker spot. Anyway, that'll be a whole pot of, of establishing that spacing. But... AD is a really good ball handler, um, especially for his size. And with that combination of him and Andre Drummond, you start putting defenses into these into these very difficult situations where you have to deal with 
two very, very large individuals going downhill. Now, Denver is a drop coverage team, and other teams will switch, other teams will blitz and show different coverages. But Darius, I think that in the context of LeBron, putting the ball in AD's hands more, and not just in those, we're going to throw it to you 17 feet away from the basket and post you up, this getting him downhill, getting him to attack the basket and use his handles, I think is a way to to not just, you know, against a team like Denver, but in the context of LeBron, I think that it's a way to puncture a defense when maybe LeBron won't be as capable of doing that himself. Well, I also think, too, that it plays to the diversity in Anthony Davis's game and the Lakers need try to do more of that for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, what's clear to me. So if you think back to last season, the the second shot creator was Rondo and he was pass, 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 basically. Right. Spot shoot, drive. He would drive to pass a lot in the playoffs. He drove to score, which was useful, but he was almost always looking for AD. And you, you know, post up spin outs for lobs, all kinds of just like driving and dishing to him. He was trying to create angles for, for AD. The Lakers don't have that player on their roster and anymore. And with Schroeder out, they don't even have a second shot creator. Right. And so AD is your next best shot creator after LeBron and getting him in those positions that you described is crucial to activating AD and just getting the ball into the hands of your best offensive option and saying, look, you go to work and go to work in a different way than just you trying to be a battering ram in the post or posting up and turning and facing. Right. Um, The other thing I would say is that AD, if he's being defended by a smaller player, he is not going to post and back down, back down, back down every single time. it's, It's just not the player that he is. He's going to turn and face some, and then he's going to basically try to drive or he's going to shoot, shoot over the top. Right. And if his mid range jumper is not going, that's not, as an effective way of producing offense for the team or for for himself when you put him in the pick and roll especially the four or five pick and roll it puts him in a scenario where if they switch good thank you very much now you've put your bigger slower player right the one who was guarding Drummond and you put that person against Mm -hmm. AD in space with a live dribble coming off of a screen action, which is not what you expect, right? If they, Mm -hmm. and those are the guys that AD will cook up with, you know, inside out dribbles. Whenever you see AD really like dancing on the perimeter, it's almost always against those bigger, slower guys that are just a half step, three quarter steps behind. Shaq talks about barbecue chicken. And he talked about that within the context of like (laughs) dunks, Uh right? Like I am putting you into the basket. AD thinks about barbecue chicken and it is like, Oh, crossover behind the back, like 
look at me, you're on skates and I'm shooting right over the top of you because you're on on your heels. And, and so and if they hard hedge, it's like there are different things. Right. But A.D. is he, he feels comfortable facing up. So so I agree. Putting him into those situations is going to be useful, but just getting him the ball more in general. Right. Because, look, we see it with with Caruso. That's not his strength. Right. We all love Alex here. This is a slander free zone for Alex Caruso. But those are not his strengths. Right. And THT can be too wild at times. Right. You don't want to go full possessions, Mike, where Caruso and THT are the decision makers when Anthony Davis is on the court. Like, you don't even want it to be a post-up for Andre Drummond. Like, get the ball to your best player and let him go to work. Some devil's advocate here, though, Darius, is he's not great at making those passing reads, right? So can he be an effective pick-and-roll guy, an effective wing guy who's – who's? I, I totally agree with you that substituting those AC and even THT possessions with more Anthony Davis is, is a good thing for sure. But can he do that well enough as a passer to make those effective well, possessions? Also, the, the defense, though, and they know they know what the Lakers are wanting to do, and if LeBron and Shooter aren't out there – they were hard trapping AD and trying to make it into a spot where Crusoe or THD had to make that play late. And then they were loading up sure. on it. So like, yeah. that's the other thing too, that the defense is going to be aware of that. And that's why it's, it's trickier to have, you know, those guys in the court at the same time, but you're, like you need it. You do need some yes. of the THT shot creation. You're just going to get, you're just going to also get some turnovers, right? Like you're going to get a little bit of, both. I think it, what's important here isn't, I think the, Changing up the ratio is what's most important to me here. It's not that, look, you have to allow these guys, and when I say these these guys, I mean Caruso, THT, the, the, the secondary ball handlers, um, or primary ball handlers, but lower on the totem pole in terms of being the most talented offensive player that's on the court at, at any give, given time. Of course, they need to have their chances because you can't just – this isn't tech mobile. You can't just hand the ball to Jackson every single time and let him run zigzags and go score, score a touchdown. Like that's not how the NBA works. You, you need a certain amount of variety here. So I like that the Lakers went to those possessions with, with ADP, but I don't think that that's a, let's do this every single time down, down the court, because that's not going to be effective mm -hmm. either. You, you, you need enough variety and then to mix things up in order to, to optimize all of the players. So I think it's one of those, it's one of the things that we can go to, right? Yes. And, and so then that begs the question of what are the other things that in this framework of LeBron may not be able to do quite what he used to be able to do aside, even aside from AD, what are, what are our options there? Mike, Talk to me about Marc Gasol. Well, first of all, Tekken Bowl, uh, Tekken Bowl is a Nintendo yes. game. Yes. Uh, 1987, <laughs> it came out. It is one of the greatest games of all time. I actually have it on my desktop, uh, I, so I can, I can actually play it right now uh, and pretend like I'm listening to Pete and Darius going back and forth on schematics. And Bo Jackson is the greatest player uh, in the game. Uh -huh. you, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you. He's. it's kind of like... You can give them the ball and the team can guess your – there are only four plays. The team can guess your play and you can still score. 
a touchdown. He's the one guy yeah. in the game. He's he's a code breaker. Um, I recommend this to all kids, by the way. Real, real quick, tech, tech Mobile. I was so into Tech Mobile that so my dad worked in TV, and we used to have one of those reel to reel recorders, right? Like with the the two film reels, right? And oh, so it would, of the film room. Yes, yes. No, that that's what I'm saying. So my my buddy Joe Lennox. So we would always play football and basketball, and it would depend on the season, right? I was the quarterback. Joe is my receiver. Uh, and we'd play at recess all the time. Is he, if, if it was too cold for basketball, we, we were playing football. Anyway, Joe would come over to my place, and my dad had this little gadget, right, that you could record on. And we set up a little mic stand. I'm like nine. We're like nine years old, right? And we would set up a, a little mic stand, and we would announce the game and record it. Like while we were playing, me and me and Joe would would do this while playing Tech Mobile. We were 49er fans, so we would do that. And so yeah, oh, I have lots of only one only one run option for the 49ers. Still still can be dominant though. Get Jerry. Yeah, Rice yeah, we, we had Montana and Rice. It was yeah. all good, right? And, yeah. and so yeah, Robert we would Ray. we would record the game and we would do play by play of the game. I I do believe it was the start of of the film room. Yeah. Did you say it was too <laughs> cold? Did you say it was too cold to play basketball? Aren't you? Where did you grow up, Pete? I grew up in Little Rock, California. So yeah, it's never it was, too cold. If, it, if it's in California, it's never too cold. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm rejecting that. I'm from Minnesota. So no, I, I'm not saying it was. It was that you couldn't play it. I'm just saying that we would play football. If like no man, if if it's snowing or if it's like rainy, if it's all like muddy conditions, there was nothing better than going out on the dirt and then like yeah, I'm gonna dive for that and get myself covered in mud and like it yeah. was more of a preference than not possible for us to put to play basketball. But all yeah, right. the the rainy and snowy months those were those were football months. I'm ready to talk about Marcus Soldarius in this. No, I was just going to say <laughs> that I do very much appreciate the origin story of the film room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that look that we we got there in an unconventional way, and it took a while. But I'm glad we got there. <laughs> I don't I'm share much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that was exciting. So, Marcus, all I so after the game, I was trying to figure out a delicate way to get at this with Frank Vogel, but I think the question was, what was the like? How much were you going to use? Marcus all and Wesley Matthews without without kind of the circumstances at play, um, which were Drummond got early foul trouble mm-hmm. and which is why which is the first time that Mark came in the game. And then Drummond got his fourth foul um, really early in the third quarter or actually was his fifth foul. Yeah, his fourth and his fifth. And so I think he had four in the first half. Um, ultimately, and then he had he picked up his fifth and third quarter, and that was the biggest reason why Mark played big minutes. And Mark, of course, was plus seventeen. And then you know Wesley was playing because you had no LeBron and no shooter, and he was the next guy up in that guard rotation spot. So, I uh, Frank's answer was that given the matchup with Denver specifically, that the plan was to find a way to use both Drummond and Gasol. And by the way, Drummond did about as well on Jokic as most as almost anybody else in the league does. Like Drummond held up okay um, on Jokic, I thought. For the most part, and it just that Mark, you know, Mark played him better, and then Mark obviously gave you a lot more on offense, and that's the the whole question moving forward. In this case, Trez didn't play in the second half because Mark went in early and played so well that Frank just kept him in for 13, 13 straight minutes, and then he finally brought Drummond back in, and the Lakers couldn't score um, again for a couple of different reasons, but and then Mark finally comes into the game and they close it out, and I think that. It's been obvious now for the last couple of weeks that what 
to us at least that to what Mark does has to be has to be on the court for certain minutes. The question is, do and I think that I'll, I'll try to answer my own question uh, instead of just stating what the question is. Like I think what Vogel is going to do is play it like he did against this Nuggets team, where the matchups dictate it, and just Mark stay ready. Uh, he he made the whole Pulp Fiction analogy with the wolf, and there are certain times where he's going to. He's going to be playing 25 minutes. There's certain times where he's going to be playing five minutes. And I, I, I don't know if this will happen, but Darius, there may be a few yeah. DNPs, depending on how the matchup goes. If Drummond's playing well, if Trez comes in against a small back line uh, and does play well. And it's just, it's not going to be, I think, what people have been sort of advocating for, which is this guaranteed X number of minutes per game. It doesn't seem like that's going to come for any of the three except for Drummond, who it's, it does seem like is going to start um, the halves. And after the start to the half, which I guess is what we saw last year, whether it was Dwight most of the time or JaVale, was then like things could change. You could see more Marquise, You could see more AD. And that's what it's going to be. It's uh, that's I think what we've seen so far. And I think it's what we'll see moving forward. Pete, you said something to me in my mentions on Twitter about just the idea of Mark needs to play. Right. And there yeah. is a I don't want to call I don't want to say Mark is a matchup buster. Like I don't want to like I don't think match but I will say I don't necessarily think matchups apply to him for what the things that he adds, right? Um and this is independent of LeBron. I actually think that he helps even with LeBron on the floor, right? Like because he if especially maybe a diminished LeBron because he could take on more more passing responsibility. Um, if LeBron needs to go to the post more, for example, then, then he's a spacer, right? And so there are ways to make things, things work. But I asked Mike the point blank question, like talk, talk to me about Mark, Mark Gasol. Y- y- you were in my mentions basically saying like, look, man, like Mark needs to play. And this is a sentiment that, that I said that I agree with. And, and and so, what's your position on Gasol, and where do you see the value add? And then give me the flip side too. Like, why why do you think it might be that he's not playing? That's a I don't know how to answer that second that last one. Right? Like, I I don't think sure. there are many good arguments for him not to play. And the Mark to me, it's a bright. To, to me, there's a bright flashing neon sign that says, you know, put Mark with the second unit because they're so much more organized. When you've got, look, Ben McLemore can shoot all sorts of wild threes, right? Like he can catch from any position. He can really get shots up quickly. And I think that that speed, it's funny, with AD looking like himself against Denver, it was the first time where you saw little flashes of the oppressive speed and pace that we could play with. And even though Mark is not a fast player himself, the offensive spacing that he provides, we talk about Mark so much through the lens of how smart he is in his decision-making and how he can organize that second unit and, and all of that. But the fact that he can shoot means so much on a team where most of our players, their best, best attribute is doing something to get to the rim. 
that looks differently for THT than it does for Anthony Davis or Andre Drummond or Dennis Schroeder, right? They go about it in different ways, but we, most of our guys are at their best when going to the basket. Mark's shooting like 41% from three. And over the last, you know, 20 games or so, I, I would imagine that number is probably closer to 50%, but he's a good enough three-point shooter that he opens things up on a team where we have all of these really long droughts where we go three, four, five minutes without a field goal. We need to be able to open things up. And that's something, one of the things that you say, Darius, with Mark is that he's the guy that should probably be in there every game and that it's Drummond and Trez that should be you know, one or one or the other. I think that if we look at the reality of the situation, like Mike's saying, like Drummond is starting. And I would also say that the vast majority of time, Drummond is the right choice over Trez. But so much with Drummond's arrival has been that, like it's been a Drummond versus Mark type of thing. I would argue that those are the two guys that should be playing. And that's no indictment on Trez, of course, but Drummond, Drummond with the starting lineup, he can that speed and power and physicality and really oppressive just dealing with athletes. I I, I really love yeah. the, the fit. Then Mark can help organize a second unit that is in desperate need of that is a great defender on a second unit that has a couple of guys that are not uh, and can space the floor in a way that that is the natural balance. And then if Trez has a Dario Saric or someone like that, that or a small f- uh, front line where he can kick their butts, by all means, right? Like, I, I'm not saying Trez should be totally out of it, but I, I'm with you, man, that Mark, like, I, there isn't a good argument for Mark not to play, right? One of the things that I've been wondering about, Mike, and you probably have a better feel for this than than me and we'll wrap it up soon but i've been wondering about this is when vogel talks about drummond's playing playing time it's almost always within the context of like yeah we're still trying to get him up to speed we're still trying to get get him up to speed do you think that it ever changes that they're no longer trying to get him up to speed he is up to speed at some point and now the decisions about who plays and who doesn't will be more of a meritocracy than they are in terms of be because like i can't help but listen to that comment game after like whenever it comes up that vogel says that right and it's like is that just something that maybe he's saying because it placates everything and it sort of like serves as a nice placeholder or do you think that that's actually a part of their thinking still and that there will be a point in time where vogel's mindset will switch on this a little bit Yes. So placate is a good word there to describe kind of this whole thing. And this is where we have to have some deference to Frank Vogel, because this is one of the things that he's good at. And it's what what ends up happening instead is that and so remove yourself from this, because I, 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 I consider you guys to be experts. And this is this is don't like don't think that I'm taking any kind of shot here. This is where like the Twitter coach comes in. Um, and tries to say, well, how could you possibly be playing <laughs> sure. this guy over that guy? What are you looking at? And guess what? You do not know better. That's right. Frank Vogel. N- just don't. Neither do you Darius don't know I, better. Right? Like that, that's a whole different that, level of, of understanding. No, I know, but 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 you guys are also. I, I I really do think you know you're you're you really are more plugged in and, and actually pay attention to these things more. But like it's it's this happened last season. I keep harkening back to this. And Vogel figured out this recipe 
of being able to be straight with these guys. And then when the playoffs came, he really could go to almost anything that he wanted without a problem because the guys felt like he had been with them all season. He has stayed by Markeith Morris' side throughout this shooting slump. He stayed with KCP last year. He stayed with Danny Green last year. He stayed with Rondo last year. He That is what he's doing, I think. And now he's giving Drummond um, a, a, like a real chance for um, to integrate as best as possible. He's giving Ben McLemore every chance that he can. He gave J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters a real shot uh, in the seeding games. And then when, all, when it all came down to it, like the Lakers were so good in the postseason that he didn't have to go to his best – like, hey, here are my my five guys that I absolutely trust or my six guys. Like Mike D'Antoni does that from day one of the regular season when he was coaching. Tibbs does that from day and, – and when you get to a postseason situation, yeah. I think that's, that's hurt those point. coaches because it's like, all right, well, here's the fastball – or not even the fastball. Here, Like here's my, here's my A game, and if the other team can meet that, then what do you turn to? So Frank has this philosophy, which I think has been proven out, and it, of course, it all helps to have LeBron and AD. Where I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep enough of the all of, geez, all of these guys, thirteen guys, even McKinney to an extent. I think he could still call on because he's given him enough rope and enough confidence that he's going to be able to call that. And when they get Darius to, to get to the more of the point of your question, when they get to a point against the, the certain matchup, and it's clear to not just us, but to certainly to Frank Vogel and his assistant coaches and on the film and to LeBron freaking James, when they watch game one in the film room, this dude just is not going to be able to play much. And that dude could be Mark in a current matchup. It could be uh, Trez. It could be Drummond. And then that's the point where there are no complaints. Uh, like uh, we can't hear about it. Look, you're just not going to play. If, if Mark's better as the starter in this matchup or off the bench, then I think that's what they have to go to. But he's just... He is going to wait almost – it's going to seem like too long at certain certain points of this regular season where we've all been – I shouldn't say we all. Darius specifically has been asking for a certain level of right of yeah. like cohesion. And and I keep pushing back and being like he's he's going to wait until he has to. Just to speak, I speak that's to what that, he's doing. I think that that's fair. And Vogel dessert, Vogel's in the room. We are not in the room. We're not in the room. We don't talk to these guys every day. And so he deserves deference in this way. Um, the counter to that is, is that I do think that when it comes to Mark specifically, he brings enough to the table with his smarts, with his actual offensive ability and his skill set and his defensive acumen to be a regular rotation player. And, we, and I agree. I, like, I'm with you. I agree. And, I, and I, I've been all season, whether it's a little bit harder to do it like publicly without bringing up what the context is. But I've been fending off text messages in like January from people that I know around the league and even around the team. They're like, what's going on yeah. with Mark? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like he's not he's not supposed to be out there taking about. Are you looking at the Lakers net rating when he's playing? He's doing little things. He's setting like he was playing and he wasn't even playing. It wasn't that he was playing uh, great, but he was playing exactly how he should have been playing. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, everybody's uh, Mark. What's going? Why isn't Mark playing more? Well, everybody was criticizing him earlier in the year. And has he taken his game up a level since Drummond came? Yes. I think that, I think that's also because the playoffs are approaching and he's a proud guy and he's he's building up. But 
So it's all of these things. So you're not wrong about any of the basketball observations about Mark. And I totally agree with you. I'm just I'm just trying to provide that context of, of what I think of the reason why it hasn't just happened. And part of that is to keep Trez engaged mentally and and sort of be able to uh, be proud of the of what he's trying to bring to the team. It's to it's to it's to pay off why they got Drummond to come. It's it's all of that stuff. And it, I I don't because because Frank Vogel definitely didn't watch that game and think hmm yeah I, I don't know Mark like uh, Mark another way to put it he watched the game too and he knows that Mark deserves it no right a, a, absolutely I also think that we generally look at the season in some ways as a preseason. It's such a good point, Mike, about how keeping everybody engaged because different playoffs are like the playoffs are beating that team that's across from you. And that's not the regular season, right? Because you, that team is a different team every couple of days, but then it becomes a matter of beating that team across from you. And Denver, for example, a team that's built around running their offense through their five, completely different challenge than a Clippers team. It's built around wings. That's a completely different challenge from a lot of, say, Utah, that their offense is Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, right? And so the types of players that you need to counter them, it's broader than that main eight that you really trust that can get you a lot of regular season wins because you establish that continuity. Bill Handy talks about this on IG all the time where he's like, yo, we're building toward the playoffs. This is something that, you know, some teams are – built for the regular season other teams are built for the playoffs and that's exactly the point right mike that keeping all of those different guys engaged is really important the one pushback i'd give to that is that mark we in a season where we've had so little cohesion and so little continuity a guy that pretty much fits into whatever it is that you want to do that like you don't have to worry about mark mark's gonna go out out there play well do mark things and then all of the other places where we kind of need to make tweaks like some bit bits of solid ground in the rotation are helpful and i think mark could be that anyway this is a a long conversation that this will not be the last of the mark gasol uh trez and, and drummond conversation uh but good to see lakers get back on track um we'll be back got a game against the clippers then we've got Phoenix or Phoenix and Portland and the Knicks coming up. Yeah. At Portland. At Portland. Yeah. yeah. Clippers, Clippers Portland. Portland back to back, which will be tricky because that's the tiebreaker game um, with Portland and have not having LeBron. So, um, but we will, uh, we'll have plenty to Absolutely. talk about after those. Two we games. will. And, and I think we'll see the differences in the big men in those games too. And, and so I think it'll be interesting to watch with those specific matchups, um, how the big man rotation play plays out and who can and will be useful versus the different types of, of matchups the team will see. I had a 10 second closing thought though, just based off that with Mark, maybe Frank knows that Mark can handle this type of like, even if he didn't love it at first and maybe, so maybe that's a little trickier if he just says all of a sudden, okay, Mark, you're the backup center now and Trez, we'll see. Maybe you lose Trez for the year. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's part of the locker room dynamic. And, and same thing with Drummond. Hey, you came here, but now you're not starting. Now it's Mark. Like what we know, and as Mark said with the Wolf, like he he can handle it. He can. He's a big boy. Um, he might not always be happy about it, but guess what? He's he's played his ass off uh, since he's come in, and so that, I, that I might think be part you're of the spot on with that. Big week, lots of stu- lots of stuff happening. This has been a year that's been so focused on what this team will be that we're finally getting into more of the present tense, right? I'm really excited about that. So big week coming up. Uh, gonna have a, a few more shows, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. 
Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Miss it. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.